Amen. And Father, that is, that is truth, that God incarnate here to dwell. Father, you sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, to die for our sins, that in him we may become the righteousness of God. Lord, that is staggering truth. Who can comprehend that? How awesome you are. Father, how faithful, how loving, how kind, how merciful, how gracious that you would see fit to send your only son out of your great love for us that all who would repent of their sin and confess him as their Lord and Savior would have new life in him and him alone. Father, we thank you for that glorious truth and forgive us when we go through the Christmas season and what's on our shopping list is more important than what's in our Bible. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now you would recalibrate and refocus and refresh and refine and restore our hearts, Father, to this truth, the greatest truth of all time. Father, I pray right now your spirit would continue to move. Holy Spirit, would you come and continue to convict and refresh our hearts, continue to strengthen us and encourage us and break us and mold us, Father, into your image. Lord, would you do that, please, by your Holy Spirit? Father, I pray right now that we would humble ourselves under the authority of your word, the only authority, Father, that we humble ourselves under in adoration to you, Father, in awe of you, in fear of you. May it be so right now. Give us ears to listen, to do well, to pay attention today to what you would say to your church. Father, show us your glory. Show us your glory. In the awesome name of Jesus Christ, church, if you agree, say amen. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, church. It is such a blessing to again be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. And as Curtis was uh, talking in announcements about our upcoming Christmas Eve service, I'm pretty fired up about our Christmas Eve service. All right, as we're planning with our worship leader uh, who's coming up and planning all of the elements that are going in and seeing the text and just having it wash over our hearts and our planning, it's rocking. All right, and it's the greatest truth of all time, and I pray that you are right now preparing your heart, stirring, asking the Lord to stir your heart to receive what he wants to do and who he would have you uh, invite to be a part of that. Well, we're continuing our series called Walking in the Light, going verse by verse through 1 John. And the title of this morning's message is Test the Spirits. Test the Spirits. Such a good message launching into the Christmas season and our Christmas Eve service coming up. And if you do not have a Bible, please put up your hand. Our ushers want to put one in front of you right now. If you do not have a, don't be shy, put your hand up. You're going to need one as we walk verse by verse through this text this morning. And if you do not have one at home, please make sure that you keep that as our way of saying Thank you, but also, more importantly, so that you can continue to study God's word on your own. Test the spirits, 1 John 4, 1 to 6. And I have a question for you as you're flipping there, and it is this. A sobering question. Are you aware of the greatest danger that you and I are facing every single day? Are you aware of the greatest danger that you and I face every single day, would you know it if you were encountering it? Let's try to break that down. You say, what is that? Let's give a little background for it. Um, it comes against you in your homes. It comes against you in the workplace. It comes against you in the shopping malls. It comes against you in your thoughts. It even can come from within the church itself. It never takes a day off. Its focus, its singular focus, is nothing less than to do all it can to destroy you. Its source is an invisible enemy who wants nothing less than your life. Sobering truth. And the danger 
that we face each day is spiritual deception. Spiritual deception. So let's get a definition so we're all on the same page. You'll see it on the screen. Spiritual deception is to be misled and falsely persuaded into believing a lie about what God's word says is true. Bare bones, basic definition. Spiritual deception, to be misled and falsely persuaded into believing a lie about what God's word says is true. Make no mistake, loved ones. This is an important moment right here, church. Make no mistake, there is an unseen battle raging for the heart and soul of every person. It is the battle against deception, which means it's the battle for the truth. It's facing you and I every single day, moment by moment, and you can't avoid it. See, and there's a problem. The problem is we live in a world where this battle is raging and most people, including Christians, are blind to it. And we have no idea how to fight it and ultimately live in victory over it. And in this context, in this passage we're looking at today, John is writing to warn the church to be on guard against the deception that was growing from within it. And he emphasizes it again, as he did in chapter 2, verses 18 to 27, that we already looked at a few weeks ago. He emphasizes again the crucial importance of exercising biblical discernment towards the teaching and the doctrine that the people were hearing. The greatest danger to the church in this context, 90 to 95 AD, nothing new under the sun, nothing new under the sun. The greatest danger facing the church was not that which was coming from outside of it, but that which was coming from within it. The false teachers that were rising up, claiming to preach in the name of God, yet distorting and twisting and subverting the authority of God and scripture, and we see this all over the world today. And here John gives three essential, I call them battle strategies, that we must practice if we are to test the spirits that we hear, be on guard against them, and ultimately live in victory over the spiritual deception that we face. If I could sum up the message of this, don't believe everything you hear. Okay? Do you hear what I hear? Don't believe everything you hear. Okay? Let's see what God's word has to say and honor the authority of God's word. Let's stand as we read. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Test the spirits. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Well, to guard against deception, strategy number one is this. You must recognize the need for discernment. You must recognize the need for discernment. Look at verse 1. John starts off with this. Beloved, notice the tenderness there. There's a care there. He's like, guys, I love you so much. I need to exhort you in this again because it is dangerous coming against it. Beloved, you do not, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. John starts with the truth that the rest of the text now, the next five verses, is going to unpack he warns the believers of the need for spiritual discernment in the teaching that they hear. And he exhorts them to test everything. 
and not just believe it at face value. Test what you're hearing. Don't just consume and consume and consume. Test it. That, that word to don't believe, the word belief there means to have faith in or be persuaded by. Don't be persuaded by every spirit. Don't put your belief in every spirit. He's saying this, if we could sum that up, verse 1, he's saying, not every spiritual teacher is credible. Okay, first point we need to understand, not every spiritual teacher you hear is credible. Back then in 90 AD and now in 2017, we are to test them. And back then, he's talking specifically about a false teaching group called the Gnostics that we've mentioned throughout this series, and we'll get to them later on. But today, loved ones, hear this. Not every teacher is credible who claims to be of God. And what we see here is that there's only two kinds of spirits. Notice this, but test the spirits, he says, verse 1, to see whether they are from God. So, what's the first type of spirit? From God. The divine spirit. We have a divine spirit that is from God, Holy Spirit, or what's the opposite of that? A demonic spirit. We have divine and we have demonic. Those are the two types of spirits we have in this world. One is from God through his Holy Spirit. One is from Satan. And it's a demonic spirit. And he says, test them. Okay, so what does that mean? Let's get the Greek for that. The Greek word there for test means to examine what you're hearing. Prove that it's true. Test it against the word of God. Does it fall in line with what God has revealed is true through his word? That's why he says from God. Why is this? Why does he exhort them so strongly? This is a huge imperative. Why does he, why does he exhort us so strongly in this? Because he goes on to tell that biblical discernment is a church-wide responsibility. It's not just the, the pastor's role. It's not just as an elder role. It's the responsibility of everyone who calls themselves a true child of God to be testing the spirit and to be pursuing biblical discernment in what they hear. Okay? And as pastors, as elders, we have, by the grace of God, devoted our lives to protecting. That's one of the things we protect in this church, the doctrine of the church. That's why any teaching that goes on through this church has to be tested. Where is it coming from? Does it line up with God's word? Right down to the worship that you hear, that we sing the divine truth. Does it lock in with what God says is true? And he tells us why in the back of why the strong emphasis? Here it is. Back half of verse 1. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And I say this, they are still today. They are still today. Now, what's a false prophet? Okay, let's look at what the Lord tells us a false prophet is. The Greek there for false prophet means one who in God's name teaches what is false. One who claims the name of Jesus Christ and yet teaches what is false and not in line with his word. And a false prophet is one who has a demonic spirit or influence that is active within them, driving their teaching. They are the face of a demonic spirit. Sobering, sobering, isn't it? And these teachers, notice how he says they've gone out into the world. What's that a picture of? These teachers have gone out as missionaries. You say, what? And you know, God, God calls us to be on mission in the Great Commission. Well, this teacher, this false teacher, they have gone out as missionaries of Satan, whether they realize this or not. And instead of seeing disciples made for Christ through their teaching, their mission is to do the opposite, to draw people away from Christ and to deceive and to distort and to derail people from following him, ultimately leading to destruction both now and for eternity. If I could sum that up, I'd say it this way. Their great commission is to deceive and destroy those that come under their teaching. And they've gone out into the world, and they are still going out today. Now, we need to be very clear on this, loved ones. Spiritual activity is not necessarily godly activity. Okay? 
Spiritual activity is not necessarily godly activity. All right? And just because a teacher, loved ones, loved ones, exhort you in this so strongly out of care for your soul, just because a teacher uses the language of the Bible, God, and Jesus does not mean that they are a true child of God. It does not mean they're a true child of God, a true teacher in the sense of one who speaks forth God's word. Indeed, they may profess to believe in Christ, but they believe in another Jesus and in another gospel. How do we know this is going on? Well, 2 Peter, there's two verses I'm going to, two passages I'm going to show you on the screen. The first one is this, 2 Peter 1, or 2 Peter 2, verses 1 to 2. But false prophets also arose among the people. There it is, from within the church, claiming the name of Christ. He says, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly, that is subtly, not overtly, but secretly bring in destructive heresies, little compromise, little compromise here, little compromise there, destructive heresies, even denying the master. Who's the master? Jesus Christ. Even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction and sobering word here, many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed, that is distorted or twisted. Jesus also tells us this himself in Matthew 7, 15. You'll see it on the screen. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Looks good. Sounds good. Dress is really cool. But inwardly are ravenous wolves. See, Loved ones, error will often put on the disguise of truth. Error will often put on the disguise of truth. Otherwise, if we want to seek the Lord, why would we follow it? Why would we be deceived? It's just blatant and overt. No, no thanks. Subtly, secretively, destructively. So let me ask you a question Are you testing the spirits? Basic question. Are you testing the spirits that you're hearing? Are you living with a recognition of the need for biblical discernment in, here's a few things that came to mind, the teaching you're exposing yourself to through books, through podcasts. Hey, this church is booming, so I can just receive everything. It's a, careful. Careful. Through conferences, through the opinions of so-called believers, Are you testing the teaching you hear through the rock-solid filter of what God's word says is true? Not just in some isolated passage where they'll take a verse and spin it way out of context. This is why we devote ourselves as ministers of God's word to preaching verse by verse, line by line, so you understand the context of what God is saying and how he wants it applied. It's not some name it and claim it philosophy. This is absolute truth to be applied by the Holy Spirit how God wants it in what he said. Are you testing that through the filter of God's word and not just taking things at face value? You know, I love it. I love it when I see your Bibles right here. This includes what you hear right here. Seriously. I am not offended by it at all. To see you guys check in my supplementary verses to make sure that they say what they say when you see them on that screen. I love seeing your notes. I love seeing your Bibles open, tracking with me all. Is this what God's word actually says? Is this what he actually means? And then I loved hearing even this week, people taking home their sermon notes and as a couple getting around them and digging into God's word further on them to press that truth by the Holy Spirit into their hearts to see it applied faithfully. Is this what God actually says? I'm not offended by this. I'm encouraged by it, loved ones. See, never assume. Here's here's the trap we can fall into. But this guy's got such a big following. This is a bestseller as I walk into the chapters and I see the bestsellers in the spirituality section. 
You know, of course, he's got to be speaking truth. Everyone's following him. Careful, careful. Listen, never assume that popularity in the world automatically means faithfulness to God. Never assume that popularity in the world automatically means faithfulness to God. The need for living with biblical discernment is only increasing as we get closer to Christ's return. Satan knows his time is limited and is sending out as many of his missionaries as he can to deceive the faithful, those who seek the Lord. And one commentator put it this way this week, and so sobered by it, he says, do not let the invisibility of our enemy lull us into complacency and indifference regarding our absolute necessity to daily, moment-by-moment discernment of what is true. Just because the enemy's invisible Do not be deceived that he's not at work. To guard against spiritual deception, you must recognize the need for discernment. And I pray even a little more of a greater glimpse you have right now in seeing the world around us. And once you recognize the need for discernment, you can then begin to use the tests of discernment the tests of discernment that God has given us, given us in his word. To guard against deception, you must use the tests of discernment. Look at verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. John now gives the believers two tests they must use if they're to walk in spiritual discernment and guard against error. Now, the word test there, all right? Now, we have a lot of university students here, and you guys are in exams. I was in, in the university library message prepping for all this time on Thursday, and I'm seeing the crunch. I'm seeing the study. I'm seeing them lock in like this. But I will say this. This hit me, students. These tests that God exhorts us in right here, are more important than any that you're going to take in school. These are. We're not minimizing what God has given you to do in your classes, but these tests right here. Why? Because it's not your GPA that's hanging in the balance on this. It's your life. It's your faith. Okay? Two tests were given. Number one is that how do we recognize a false teacher, how do we discern what we're hearing? Number one, we look for the confession of Christ. First test, the confession of Christ, verses two and three. By this you know the spirit of God, here it is, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. The Greek there for confess means to publicly declare or proclaim that Jesus Christ came to earth as fully God and fully man, lived a perfect and sinless life for 33 years and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin that we deserved, was dead, buried, And after three days rose again and defeated sin and death for all time because he became fully man in the flesh and at the same time was fully God. Tempted in every way you and I are, yet did not sin once. You know what doctrine this is called? This is called the doctrine of the incarnation. This is the very same doctrine John started off in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1 with. Okay? God became a man. The whole celebration of Christmas, you take out the doctrine of the incarnation, what's Christmas? Nothing. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. You see, if you're preaching a faithful gospel, this truth is non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable for anyone who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. Why? Because it's the confession upon all of which Christianity hangs, the incarnation. If the incarnation isn't true, where's salvation? Where's our hope? If Jesus Christ was not tempted in every way you and I are, uh, 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 where are we going to find the hope and strength to go through those things and to not give in to temptation by the power of his spirit which is in us who are faithfully following him. All of Christianity hangs on it. 
And you see in this context here of John's writing, the rampant false teaching happening in the church at the time of John was attacking just that, Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the, if you recall, the religion that says uh, all matter is evil, therefore Christ did not have a real physical body. And only those who were enlightened with a higher knowledge could be saved. Talk about hopeless. Jesus and your knowledge will save you. Let me, let, me, let me say it this way. Jesus plus anything is heresy. Okay? Jesus plus anything is heresy. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Okay? Kingdom mathematics. How do we know this? Well, let, let's just look at the what the word has to say. John 1.14. Go back to the word. Go back to the word. And the word became flesh. That is Jesus Christ, the son of God, the word of God, the logos became flesh. And what? Dwelt, lived among us. And that's just one. You could go to John 1. You could go to 1 John 1, 2. Like it's all over the place. This is why you got to know God's word so that you can know where to go in it. The word became flesh. John says that any teacher, whether they claim to be a follower of Christ or not, who denies the incarnation of Christ was not speaking from the divine spirit of God, but was coming from the spirit of the Antichrist. Okay? The Antichrist, verse 3, let's look. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Now, if you recall, when we looked at this from chapter 2, the Antichrist is one who opposes or is against God. Makes sense. You're denying the Son of God in who he says he is. It's one who opposes or is against Christ and is empowered by Satan. And here John makes a distinction. Notice the distinction here between the final Antichrist that will come in the last days and his spirit that is in the world already, actively opposing Christ by deceiving people to turn away from the truth. His spirit is pointing to the final ruler that will come. Now you say the final ruler. This is the final world ruler who will oppose Christ and seek to deceive all nations to himself. You can look up some scripture on your own about him called the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12. You can read more about this in Revelation 13.4 as it describes this final world ruler who's the spirit of him is now at work to deceive. And Here's, if we could uh, summarize the Antichrist mission, it is this. The Antichrist goal, singular focus, is to diminish and minimize the person and work of Christ. That's the goal. If he can minimize Jesus Christ, if he can diminish the person of Christ, gotcha. You take salvation, you take the incarnation out, what do you have left? Danny Aiken, commentator Danny Aiken, put it this way. I love this quote. You can write it down, you'll see it on the screen. If there is no glorifying of Jesus as God incarnate, fully God, fully man, then there is no spirit of God present. If there is no glorifying of Jesus as God incarnate, there is no spirit of God present in that teaching. Test number one. The confession of Christ. And many, don't be confused, many teachers, many religions will say they believe in Jesus. But what they believe is that he's but they rarely believe that he's both fully God and fully man. Some will say, oh yeah, we believe Jesus, he's a moral teacher. We believe Jesus, he was a prophet. We believe Jesus, but we don't believe he's the Messiah because you have to add things to that in order to be saved. It's false. Spirit of the Antichrist. Okay, don't be deceived. All right, test number one, the confession of Christ. Test number two, I love how God's word is so clear. He's so clear. Test number two is teaching of Christ. Look at verses five and six. They, being the false prophets, false teachers, are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
John says the second test of a false teacher is if they are teaching sound biblical doctrine in line with God's word or whether their message is resembling the world's system values and priorities. Is it, is it embracing what the culture says to embrace and how do you tell this? Well, look at who listens to them. He says it right there. Look who listens. The world listens to them because they're from the world. Who's listening to them? Why? Why does the world listen to them? Even though they're claiming the name of Jesus Christ and lift it, why does the world listen? Because they've compromised the truth of God for what the itching ears of the world want to hear. They've compromised the truth of God for what the itching ears of the world want to hear. The people listening reject the true gospel because it doesn't make sense to them and the world's priorities that are in them. Even if they've claimed Christ, they're still so entrenched in the world's priorities and the pride of life. The focus of this message that is being taught is not the teaching of Christ, it's the teaching of material wealth. It's the teaching of prosperity gospel. It's the teaching of cultural values that are against God's word, but they say are okay. Like somehow God's just going to overlook this because our culture's going that way. They subvert the authority of God's word. They redefine what God says is true to fit the world's satanic system. What are we talking about? What are they redefining? You hear this all the time in the news, right? Redefine, redefine. What are we redefining? Marriage. They're redefining human life and its value from conception. They're redefining the family, the institution set forth by God, tearing it down. They're redefining authority, respect and honor for authority. Embracing the culture and using God's word to back it up. And I will tell you this, God's word does not back that up. It's not a matter of taking one verse out of context and twisting it for a cultural agenda so you can have more butts in the seats on Sunday morning. But look at verse 6. John goes on to say, We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. On the contrary here, John states that true followers of Christ will listen to sound biblical teaching and humble themselves under it. And a faithful teacher will teach the biblical truth that has been passed down from the apostles themselves who were eyewitnesses of Christ. This is called apostolic doctrine. Passed down by faithful men and women who have literally given their lives to see it safeguarded and preserved all throughout church history. Apostolic doctrine. Remember this, remember this. If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. Heard that from James McDonald, never forgot that. If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. We're not adding revelation or redefining. God's word is never to be redefined. He spoke it how he wants it. Hey, hey, faithful teacher of God's word, right here. No matter how much the world moves, they don't move an inch. No matter how much the world moves, They don't move an inch. And we're here in Ottawa at the epicenter of change in this nation. No matter how much the world moves, they don't move an inch. They've given their life to safeguarding God's word and seeing it passed on because what the truth is this, church. What one generation allows will be what the next one accepts. What one generation allows will be what the next one accepts. Okay, so how do we know God wants this as a focus? We don't budge. 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 4, it's actually uh, pillar number one, unapologetic preaching. This is our verse, foundational verse for that. You'll see it on the screen. Paul says, one of the last things he says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God 
and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Here it is, ready? Preach the word. Not a redefinition of it. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Anyone notice that it's out of season to be preaching the authority of God's word today? Anyone else? Maybe just me. Pretty out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Sound familiar? And today, look around today, loved ones. We see the deception all over. It's all over. Teachers abandoning and compromising the faithful doctrines have been passed down to us from Christ himself. And they're adding things to it or taking things out of context or redefining it in the name of relevancy or attractiveness to have an increasing audience of the world that says, now you're speaking my language. Now you're speaking my language. I'm going to listen. You've just taken out that hard doctrine. Oh yeah, now I'm going to listen. Now you're speaking my language. And so many, the truth is this, so many teachers have watered down God's word so much that it's even impossible to reject anymore. The fear of man has trumped the fear of God. Look around us, church. We live in a world that is afraid of anyone or anything but God. Where's the fear of the Lord, church? The fear of the one that we're going to stand before one day and give an account for every word that was spoken. Because the truth is this, for the faithful teacher of God's word, he only has one audience who he's desiring to please. He only has one audience. He's not interested in speaking the language of the culture, the world's system and the world's values, because his audience is an audience of one. It is his king. It is his savior. It is his Lord, Jesus Christ And this teacher's driving conviction, his desire, is to one day hear his father say, well done, good and faithful servant. I saw the cost, and you stayed faithful. Enter into the joy of your master. We preach God, this is why we don't compromise on this. We believe as as God's word says that as his word is faithfully held up, Christ is going to draw people to himself. He's going to draw people, that longing for eternity that's in each of our hearts, that longs to hear the truth. We don't have to compromise on it. God's word is a shield. He's our refuge. We cling to it and we bank everything on him with it. And some may say this, maybe some of us here today may say this, Well, what's the big deal of changing uh, one part? I mean, what's a little small compromise? I still believe Jesus Christ was Lord, but sure, let's redefine marriage. I mean, can't two people fall in love? I still believe in Jesus. What's the problem with compromising on one thing and keeping the rest? Well, Martin Luther says this very pointedly. You'll see it on the screen. He said this, but he who denies Christ in one word has in this one word denied the same Christ in all words. For there is but one Christ in all his words, collectively and individually. One Christ. We don't pick and choose what parts of him we're going to believe. So question, church. Is your Jesus the real Jesus that he's shown us through his word? The one who fully God, fully man, came to earth and died for our sins after living a perfect life, went to the cross, was killed to pay the penalty for the sin that you and I deserved, rose again three days later, and now is seated at the right hand of God. And he's the only way to salvation. Acts 4.12. 
There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. Is that your Jesus? Is that your authority? And if so, are you using these tests of discernment in what you're listening to? What teaching that you are coming under needs to be tested against God's word? What teaching right now that you're coming under, whether it's books you're reading, stuff you're listening to, opinions you're starting to maybe waver? Listen, listen. What needs to be brought under this and tested with this? The confession of Christ and the teaching of Christ. And some of us may ask this. They may be like, well, how do I grow in this discernment? I mean, how do I increasingly use these tests by the power of the Holy Spirit to discern what I'm hearing? Well, here's four ways. Here's four ways we grow in discernment through God's word. Ready? Read consistently in it. Read consistently in it. God time every day. God time. It's not some legalistic thing here, loved ones. Read consistently in it. You say, well, how long is too long? Listen, listen, God hasn't given a time frame on it. He just says, abide in me. So if it's five minutes, take five minutes. If it's 15 minutes, take five minutes. Whatever. People are going to be at different stages. But read consistently in it. Okay? It, we only know the truth by spending time in the truth and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal and illuminate that truth to us. All right, John 8, 31 and 32, I love the comforting words of Jesus right here. He says, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide, that means stay under, stay in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will, here it is, know the truth and the truth will set you free. Awesome, awesome, amen? The truth will set you, if you abide in my word, read consistently in it. Okay, number two, four ways we grow in discernment. Number one, read consistently in it. Number two, listen attentively to it. When you hear teaching, sermons, whether a church here, sermons, online, podcasts, whatever, books you're reading, conversations you're having, listen attentively. Ask the Holy Spirit, help me to understand what is true. Listen attentively. Why does God care so much about attentive? Well, let's just look. 1 Peter 1.19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. See what, see what listening attentively does? It confirms it. It confirms God's word that he's sowing in us, to which you do, will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Pay attention, listen attentively, okay? Don't just take it in, okay, I'll just believe it's true. Careful, careful, okay? Number three, ask questions about it. As you read God's word, as you hear God's word, ask questions about it. Seek counsel from people who are growing in Christ, who are mature in Christ, and who are walking with a fear of the Lord. You know, here in this church, that's why I love small groups are launching so soon. If you haven't got your small group app, make sure you get it in ASAP, because we got a whole bunch in right now. Uh, let's just make sure you get it in. Okay? But here's the other thing about that. Ask your small group leaders. This is why we train so hard. This is why we give you an outlet to ask each other and even others in the church that you know are upholding God's word and walking in a fear of the Lord. Ask myself. I love getting asked those questions. You know, what does this mean? And what is Awesome. Praise the Lord for that. Ask questions about it from people who will point you to God's word and not their own opinions. Proverbs 24, 6 says this. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. Remember, we're in a battle. By wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Those walking in a fear of the Lord, mature in Christ, and who live lives that show it. Okay, lastly, four ways we grow in discernment through God's word. Number one, read consistently in it. Two, listen attentively to it. Three, ask questions about it. And lastly, pray unceasingly from it. Pray unceasingly from it, number four, for clarity and for application from the Holy Spirit, for yourself and for others in the church. For clarity, because here's the reality. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't understand the application of Scripture. We need the Holy Spirit to do it. It's a supernatural word that needs a supernatural power to interpret it and to understand it and to apply it. Okay, pray unceasingly from it. As you get in front of a text in the morning or when you do your God time, you get in front of a text, you're like, Lord, help me to apply this by the power of your Holy Spirit. Show me where I need to apply this. Talk to him, ask him. 
He'll show you and he'll lead you into all truth. Ephesians 6.18, you see it right here. Praying at all times, see, unceasingly from it, all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert, keep alert. There it is again, alertness. With all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. To guard against spiritual deception, you must recognize the need for discernment. That's where everything starts. This, you won't do any of this if you don't have that recognition. And that leads to using the tests of discernment. And all of this can only come from strategy number three, trusting in the source of discernment. We must trust in the source of discernment. Look at verse four. Trust God's word will ground me. The Holy Spirit will guide me. Verse four. Little children, there's the tenderness again. You are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. See, John affirms the believers of the genuine faith they have. He says, you're from God. He's assuring you and gives them assurance that no matter what spiritual deception they may encounter, ready, ready? Hey, don't be afraid. Yes, the deception's real, loved ones, but don't be afraid of that. Why? Because he who is in you, the Holy Spirit, the he there, is greater than he who's in the world. If you are genuinely in Jesus Christ, you will not be overcome by that deception. The word overcome there means to be victorious, to prevail or to subdue the demonic spirits that were coming against them and the false teachers. That's awesome. That is glorious truth right there. There is nothing that you will face that if you are in Jesus Christ and his spirit is in you, that you will not overcome by his power. There is no teaching that will be distorting you too far. There is no deception that will be too great. But notice this, the reason. Little children, you're from God, verse four says, and have overcome them. Why have we overcome them? For he, he, it's not because of our spiritual wisdom. It's not because of our power or strength to resist deception. It's because of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit alone that is given to us at the moment of salvation. Jesus Christ fills us with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, I love thinking of it like this, the Holy Spirit is a deception detector in our heart. He said, that's not true. That's not true. Now, we can choose to quench that voice or we can choose to humble ourselves under it. But he's like, God, that's not true. Don't listen to that. That's not true. I'm going to guide you. John 16, 13, I promise to guide you into all truth. All right? Say, Holy Spirit, is this true? He's like, no, yes, no, yes. You don't have to try to figure this out on your own. His power is at work in us. And he's promised to guide us into all truth and fight victoriously against the deception that seeks to oppose us. Now, greater, you know what the term greater there means? Love it. Eminent for ability, authority, and power. Eminent for ability, authority, and power. The Holy Spirit in you is greater, eminent, more powerful than he who's in the world. Because that guy who's in the world and all of his little demonic missionaries, let me tell you something, they're defeated. Amen? They're defeated in Jesus Christ. No contest. So clarifying, if you're a true follower of Christ, there's no deception that can overtake you. And no satanic or demonic force that can overwhelm you no matter how dark things get or how bad that assault comes. God's word will ground you as you cling to it and the Holy Spirit will guide you and guard you by his power that is within you as you trust him through it every time. Yeah, but this is worse, this is worse. Every time. Yeah, but what am I gonna do? Every time. Yeah, but what about every time? Every time. And we need to be, hey, 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 hear this. If you're genuinely in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ here, be encouraged. We need to be aware of false teachers, but we don't need to be afraid of them. Okay? We don't need to be afraid. We need to be wise. And we can get so worked up, but as we trust in the Holy Spirit, we remember he's promised to guide us into all truth as we cling to his word and ask for his help. Lastly is this. Daniel Aiken puts it this way. Love this commentator. He says, how did we obtain this victory? The greater spirit, the Holy Spirit, is in you. And he is greater than he who is in the world. Is the world strong? Is the world strong, loved ones? Yes. Yes, it is. But our God is infinitely stronger, eminent. Are our false prophets wise? Yes. But our God is infinitely wiser. Is Satan great? Yes. But our God is infinitely greater. And the one who is infinitely stronger, wiser, and greater now and forever is in you.
Amen? Okay, we got to get an amen. Amen? Amen. Yes. Amen on that. So what is our response? What's your response, loved ones? Maybe you're here and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There is no deception detector in you. There is no trust that you can put in for a source of discernment. Will you confess Jesus Christ alone as your Lord and Savior? The one who is the source of all discernment we could have against the evil one and through whom the enemy is defeated for all time. There will be a chance for you to respond to this after the service here. There's going to be leaders up at the front to pray and Tom and Victoria and myself. and now We're going to be here to pray for you and talk about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you are a follower of Christ, hey, are you living with the recognition for your need for discernment? Are you using the tests we've been given by God for discernment? And are you trusting in the source of all discernment? When you are face to face with the deception of the evil one, the fear, the darkness, the anxiety, the worry, the temptation, in that deception right there that somehow says, God's not enough. God can't do that. God can't be trusted. God, right there. Are you trusting in the source? Are you coming back to this life-changing and life-giving truth that he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world? What's your next step? Let's pray. Father, uh, such a sobering warning from your word this morning, so needed and so good. I pray in Jesus' name that each person here, God, would be challenged, would be encouraged at the salvation we have in you if we have repented of our sin and confessed you as our Lord and Savior and how you did not leave us alone, that you promise that in you we have overcome the world through the power of Jesus Christ, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that God, whatever um, teaching uh, we've been listening to that is not of you, it would be revealed. It would be revealed and matched up against the authority of your word. Father, I pray for us as a church that we would not compromise. God, it's so easy to compromise as we see the world pressuring and and coming around us. But God, he who is us is greater than he is in the world. Father, I pray to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Because he who made the promise is faithful. You are faithful. In Jesus' name, get glory, we pray. Amen.